0: Than two of us in here tonight. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're joining us also. Please get settled and we'll go ahead and get started. Live streamers, we just want to say good evening to you. Welcome. We're so happy that you joined us. If this is the first time that you've tuned in with us, welcome to the family. I don't know what you're going through this evening, if it's joy or pain, whatever that is, just be encouraged. The Lord says, Those who seek Him, lack no good thing, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, and yet the Lord delivers them from them all. So be encouraged. Stay tuned with us. The Lord's going to bless you tonight. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. Those of you in the back, have a seat when you're ready. We have just a few announcements. The first one, this evening we do have youth hangout. Uh, That'll be downstairs, you guys. I'm so excited for you. It's going to be super fun. Please meet Amanda at the bottom of the steps, and she'll let you know where to go. Um, Children, you're going to also be up here with worship tonight, but then meet me at the back door, and we're going to go down to Children's Church as well. If you haven't noticed, there's lots of vegetables in the back. They are free, so please help yourself. We also have, I'm sure you've seen our school supply table in the back. Oh, there's so many school supplies. I'm so excited for you guys. We're going to pass those out next Sunday. You'll have everything you need for school. So please come next Sunday and make sure that you get what your child needs for that. Whatever's left over, we'll give to the the city school here in Urbana will bless them also. This is a reminder there's more details to come but please mark your calendars for September 9th. We're going to have an outing at the bowling alley so it'll be a two-hour event. It's also free and that's for the whole family so if you're if you're needing a free family thing we got you covered. September 9th mark your calendars. All right, well, we know that there's power in prayer, and we know that the Lord hears us. So before we get started, we're just going to pray tonight. Father God, you are so mighty, and you are so strong, and we just thank you. We thank you that you, your love for us is everlasting, that there's nothing that can separate us from your love, that in the beginning... It was your desire to be with us and to fellowship with us. And so, God, we just marvel at the, what you do for us, God, how you've made a way for that possible through your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience to the Father and for the, the sacrifice and the price that you paid for each and every one of us. You're so gentle and meek, and yet you are clothed for warfare, So Lord, I come tonight and I just ask that you would send your angels to minister for all of the people here and those online. God, that their hearts and their minds would be free from whatever burdens they're carrying tonight, that we could worship you in all of the fullness that you deserve. Father, we just ask that your glory would fall in this house tonight, that we would be made new in your presence. Thank you for this day, God. Thank you for another day to know you and love you more. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand on your feet. Magnify the Lord with us, and let's exalt his name together.
1: his love hallelujah what a good promise that that is just come right as you are don't worry about your baggage from this week or if you failed him today or you don't feel like you did everything you needed to do just come right where you are he will walk you through it he wants to help you with your problems he doesn't want you to come clean he wants to help make you clean and that is just he is so so Father, that our eyes would always be in line with yours, Lord, that we would realize that we have authority here on earth by your good name that you have given us because we are your sons and daughters, Lord, that you are preparing a place for us even now, Father, And we thank you, God. We thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, what you will do in
2: to you. We give honor to you. We lift your name above all things, above all things, in Jesus' name, your name. We We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. to say, just speak his name. The name of Jesus. All authority and power is in him. If you don't to say, just thank him. Just thank him for, for all the things in your life that you know are God-given, God-born, God-instituted. Thank him for those things. I praise you, Jesus. And worship you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your blessings, Lord. Thank you for direction and purpose. We thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness. For you are faithful. Jesus name. I want you to think. I want you to think before we're done, and, and do our, our time of just greeting one another. I want you to think of at least five things in your mind right now that you're thankful for. Just open your mind, off top of your head. Lord, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Lord, thank you for constantly reaching out to me when I was not saved and, and not leaving me to myself. Lord, I thank you for the direction that you always are are giving a clear path in my life. I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the bestowing of wisdom when I needed it, that that my thinking was not going to make it, wasn't going to work it out, but I thank you for, for wisdom in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for my family, for my wife and my kids. I, I, I pray for them that Your blessing upon each one of them today. Thank you for those things, Lord. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. I, I was listening to. I was listening to uh, just some guy talking about prayer. And he said, I don't know how many years and years and years ago. He makes it a habit of every day during his prayer to thank god for one thing and he said i've never run out of something to thank him for you know that you can so much focus on the mess of your life that you become unthankful for what god has done and when you keep your eye on the Thankfulness because of his faithfulness. Even when you have a mess, you know the mess is going to seep through because of the testimony of his faithfulness of what you can be thankful for, right? Keep your eye on the things you can be thankful for. Amen? All right, go, go say hi to about 100 people, and then uh, we'll get on with service tonight, take up tithes and offering. It's good to see you tonight. Cheers. Amen. to have you tonight. We'll give everybody a second to get their kids checked in and youth off to youth hang out. Live streamers, it's good to have you. Whatever platform you're watching on tonight, it's good to see you and those that I know are not with it, but Donna and Mike and Tanya and and everybody else. We miss you all. Lori, I hope you're watching wherever you're hanging out at. Bring some food back for us. Really? Oh, okay, so, oh, okay, Shelby. Oh, okay. well, prayers for Shelby, then, if that's the case. In Jesus' name. All right, well, it's good to see you tonight. Um, we'll take up tithing offerings, so if you have something to give, you can prep it, envelopes and chairs in front of you, or one of the ushers will help you out. We thank you for your giving, your generosity. Um, you guys are so, so, so faithful, and I'm thankful. Um, you know, I, one, one of the things I pray about uh, for our churches, our finances. I'm always praying about that. And, uh, and I'm thankful that I don't have to pray hard about it. And I don't, I don't worry about it, but I do pray about it. But I don't worry about it because you guys are such faithful in your giving. And I, I thank you so much for that. So let, let me pray over your giving. You can bring it tonight. Lord, we thank you uh, to be in your house, to be in worship, to be together, and to be with you. And I pray uh, as we give tonight, we're just always living in in that life of faith, dependency upon you. Above all things, we want to learn to be dependent upon you, for you are our source of everything, Lord. So blessings tonight in the house. Not not to be blessed necessarily for ourselves, but be the blessing so we can be a blessing. And we thank you that you bring those opportunities in our paths to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen you can bring it as kelly said at the opening we're going to distribute the school supplies on sunday so uh bring your kids out and each kid our goal is to send each one home with a, a little bag of, of school supplies that hopefully covers a lot of what you would have to get for the school year because schools come up pretty soon i think then what we'll do is while i'm thinking about it not this sunday but the following sunday we'll close out service by bringing up all the kids and pray for them as they're heading in the school year and I'm also praying for you parents as they're heading into the school year. because That's a double prayer right there. Whether or not you homeschool, public school, all parents need prayer. So I know that from experience. And uh, we need a prayer too with our kids. And, and But I, I believe all of our parents, you guys are doing a good job. Good job. Are any of us parents perfect? No, but that's okay because God helps us. He leads us. He gives us wisdom. Amen? All right. So so Sunday, by the way, I'm going to close out this this series, Images of Salvation Sunday. I think it's like the seventh week of this thing. And and there's there's many more weeks we could go. Um, But I'm going to close it out this Sunday. There's other things I want to get to. But um, I did want to tell you, I'm going to talk about the image of salvation, of what it means to turn our spirit of heaviness, and traded in for the garment of praise and what does that have to do with our salvation so i want to talk about that sunday we're going to s- spend some time in the gospel of luke and go back to the the great prophet isaiah so i encourage you to be here some sunday and bring somebody out and by the way back at the very back uh on the table there's these little invite cards and these, these are just uh kind of tools for you if you want to some of you don't need this stuff some of you this is nice to use but it's a little invite you can give it to somebody and invite them to church tell them you'll meet them here sit with them and all that kind of business but these are back there. Take as many as you want. But we want to invite culture for our church. In other words, I want you to enjoy and like your church enough that you want to bring somebody here. And if you don't, then you can talk to me about that, and we'll figure out what, what the deal is. But hopefully you're like that, and you want to and bring people out, because we want to expose as many people we can to Jesus Christ. And that's the goal. So anyhow, that's what that's about. All right, if you've got your Bibles, we are still and we're getting near I, we'll, we'll be finished by the end of August. We're in the book of Romans. We've been here for a while. Um, uh, it, it's, uh, Romans is, is what it is. It's the great work of Paul, and um, we've been kind of going through it. Kind of two chapters a Wednesday, which is kind of fast, but it's, it's kind of the pace we settled in. And we're in Romans chapter 12 tonight, and probably in the chapter 13. So if you've got your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, and the, again, the great work of Paul, Paul, again, and and I know we say this every week, but but catch the hardest. Romans is about Paul making sure the Roman churches are on the same page about what the gospel is. For, For it is the righteous who live by faith. Okay, and Paul's getting there because the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus is by faith. And remember, at the very beginning of Romans, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And that, that's the great work of Paul. Again, you should never be ashamed of the gospel. And the great work of Paul is that he's constantly taking the gospel to the Gentiles. That, that's what his calling was. And and he's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then the Gentile. It's for everybody. Okay, so the book of Romans is getting everybody on the same page about the gospel. And as we're going to get into over the next couple of weeks, is trying to make sure, Paul is writing to make sure, that the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers are on the same page and getting along. Okay? One of the great concerns of Paul in all of his writings is that the the believers, the Gentiles coming into the church, okay, that everybody understands that they are in Christ Jesus, they are in the family of God, and how the Jews that are believers in Jesus that still live under the law, and the Gentiles who come into the body of Christ who do not, they learn how to get along. Okay, that's the great work of Paul. When he says things like, in Christ Jesus there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, he, he says that at different places in his writings, what he's getting at when we all come into the body of Christ... Now, you see the great big dividing lines there? If you're not Jewish, then you're Gentile. That, that, those two designations, Jew and Greek, or Jew and Gentile, cover everybody. Then he says male and female. That covers everybody, right? And then, then slave nor free, then he's dealing with social status. Slave nor free. When you get in the body of Christ... Everything's leveled out in Jesus. Therefore, let's learn how to be together and get along. That's one of the big things Paul's about in all of his writings. So Romans chapter 12 and 13, all all this stuff we've been talking about in Romans seems very theological, very tedious, but in chapter 12, 13, 14, and 15, he gets to just practical applications of living for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who have buried with him and risen with him inwardly right those who have been adopted into the family of God as we've been reading in Romans so chapter 12 and verse number one so now that we got to this place Paul says I appeal to you therefore those who are learning to live by faith learning to know that you do not earn your salvation or earn the righteousness of God you can't do that I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual worship? Some translations say your spiritual act of worship. Now in that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now that you understand, and it's a whole big theme of Romans living by faith, my righteousness is found in Him. Christ died and, and, and fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law in His death, okay? What does it mean to live for Him? Right here. That you learn to offer yourself as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing. acceptable to him and in that whole business of sacrifice it's not a a sacrifice of, of actual death but it's a living sacrifice because you've been raised to life in other words you are not going to offer your body any longer to sin but now I'm going to offer my body to live for him in a way that is considered a living sacrifice that is the life of faith now How does this come to be? Well, you are not going to be any more conformed to living like the lost and sinful world lives. And all this stuff that Paul's been talking about, again, you're not slaves to sin any longer, but now you're slaves to God. In other words, you're not slaves to conformity to the sinful world, but now we're slaves to living in him as a living sacrifice. That's what Romans is leading up to in these parts. But you do so in part by the renewing of your what? Your mind. What you feed your mind means a lot. Isn't that right? So I'm not to be conformed any longer to my former self, my sinful self, what I've been saved from, brought out of. See, repentance... Part part of the the word repentance carries a connotation. not not only do I I repent, I I ask for forgiveness, but remember, it's also the changing and turning of your life. I I repent, I ask for forgiveness. If, If sin is this way, then I'm changing from it. But part of repentance also brings a connotation that I'm going to rethink my life based on the revelation of Jesus Christ. I must begin to renew my mind. And begin on to do what? Think on things above. My mind is renewed when I pray. My mind is renewed when I'm in the scriptures. My mind is renewed when I praise, okay? My mind is renewed in part because I stop filling it with stuff that shouldn't be in there. You, you must guard your eyes and your ears. Isn't that right? Be careful. Because if you constantly bring stuff back in your mind that you know you need to be laying aside, you're not going to be renewed in your mind. You're just learn to think on things above. Good things. As, as Paul writes it at the end of that little part right there, that discerning what the will of God is, what is good and what is acceptable, testing it in discernment, these are the things that we begin to think on. Okay, what, what is the goodness of God, what is God about, what is he after, what does it mean to live in his kingdom, we start to rethink our lives based on the revelation of Jesus Christ, coming out of conformity into living a way that is literally an act of worship. How you live worships something. Isn't that right? How you live should be a testimony to your belief in God and you've been set free from sin. How you live. Is how, so we think worship is when we sing songs. Yep, but worship, that, that, this part of worship, worship is how you live. What am I doing? Is, is my life every day a living act of sacrificial worship to God? You think about that. Your everyday life, not just when you come to church, not just when you feel like being spiritual, not when you finally carve some time out to read your Bible, every day when you get up at your job or or whatever your workplace is or, or, or at your home, when you're interacting with your kids, when you're interacting with people at Walmart, it's a living sacrifice. Is it holy and acceptable and pleasing to him. That's what we're being called to. Not conforming to, to sin any longer. I've been made new. Verse 3. Now, coming together as a people. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but in sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, Paul is starting to talk about how we interact and work together. Again, remember, Paul is making sure that the Roman churches understand what the gospel is, but now that you are being saved, you're coming from different backgrounds, how are we going to be a functioning body of Christ together? Paul's transitioning here. You are given, by the way, a measure of faith according to your gifting, according to your calling according to your place in the body. You know that? God doesn't give you what he doesn't assign what you need to carry out what he gives you. You've been given a measure of faith to do what he's called you to do. I'm called to be a pastor, whatever that means, right? But I believe, even though I know I'm not much, he has given me the measure of faith to carry it out. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so why am I saying that? Watch verse 4. See, see the context Paul puts it in. For as in one body we have many members, and the members not all have the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ and the individual is members of one another. So everybody has a place in the body. Is that correct? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to got to think of yourself in sober judgment. In other words, if I understand my placement in the body, never be prideful about it. Look at myself in sober judgment. If I understand my place in the body, but I'd rather have Margaret's place in the body, guess what? I'm not allowed to covet. I also have to understand what I'm not called to. There's the grace and a, a faith measured to you based on your place, okay? But we all have a place. We're all called together. And I, I like what it says at the end of verse 5, but individually members of one another. We are individuals, but we are members of one another because we're a body together. 1 Corinthians 12, you can go read there. Same, same thing Paul's talking about. You cannot say to somebody in this room, I'm not a part of you and I don't need you. What if I don't like them? Learn to love the way Jesus asks us to. What if they hurt me? Learn to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. What if I'd rather have what they have? Tough. No, you appreciate them for what God has made them because they'll learn to appreciate you what God has made you, because we are members of one of another. We're together. Amen. That that's locally right here, this room, for those that come Sundays and Wednesdays that are members of this church. But the churches across town, by the way, here in Urbana, we're all members, and we stretch to the next towns over, St. Paris and Springfield, and whatever Mechanicsburg members together. Then then we go regional. And then that whole big thing I put on the screen a couple of Sundays ago where uh, the different continents of, of the, the people that proclaim to be Jesus, we're members together, right? And everybody has a place and a function. We're the body of Christ. And we have to learn to treat each other that way. So in the Roman church, Where you had the possibility of those that were under law saying those not you have to live under law and they're saying no we don't it's not by faith. As a matter of fact, you guys are weak for having to do that and they're they're fighting, and Paul's saying, Stop. You're members together. Quit quarreling over stuff, stop. You are members of one another. Stop. He's calling them to be unified. Okay, let's keep going. So having gifts that differ according to grace given us, let us use them. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a part. Everybody has a reason. So Paul lists some here. We know it's not an all-inclusive list because we know he has some things listed in 1 Corinthians. He has some things listed in Ephesians 4. But here's some things that he throws out. If it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts or encourages in his exhortation, to the one who contributes or, or a giver in generosity. To the one who leads, lead with zeal. And the one who does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. So in other words, we must learn to live within what God has given us and function in these things because God has given it to us for a reason. He's given it to us for a reason. Amen. So we're to be together and work together. Now, now, Paul, right here. He gets into a dense list of stuff like he does. So I would encourage you to read Romans uh, 12, 9, up to chapter 13 a few times and, and, and kind of catch what he's saying. And he often, when he writes, he writes these dense lists of things. And the, again, they're not all inclusive lists, but there's things that he's simply highlighting. So verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil or, or sinful but hold fast to what is good or the things of God. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. These next three things go together. Rejoice in hope in what the things God is doing. Be patient in tribulation because you will go through some. And in that, be constant in prayer. We must be people of prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And that word, hospitality, literally means in your home. Now, because, verse 9, let love be genuine, that leads to verse 14. And then bless those who persecute you, because when you love genuinely, you love, the, you love to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now, in the body, when somebody rejoices, rejoice with them. When somebody weeps, weep with them. We rejoice together and we mourn together. Live in harmony with one another. Good harmony, people have different parts and they sing different parts, but it comes out in a beautiful kind of way, right? So learn how to sing well together. It's not literally talking about singing, but how we live. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Don't be prideful but associate with the lowly. In other words, when the outcast, the estranged, the orphan, those on the fringes of society, they come into the body, you should never be too prideful to associate with them. That's not of God. As a matter of fact, give them the best seat in the house. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought... To do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you. In other words, you do everything you can do, live peaceably with all. In other words, you should not be the agitator that breaks peace. But you live peaceably, even if somebody's being agitated towards you. Why? Because you don't repay evil for evil. Right? You bless and you don't curse. So, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Other translations say, leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. As a matter of fact, do the opposite, to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. These are drawing from uh, that vengeance is mine. It's from Deuteronomy, and he draws from things from the book of Proverbs, chapter 25. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. In other words, you start to show that his actions or her actions or their actions are not proper, but you're going to do what's proper. And you may bring conviction to them. As a matter of fact, do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So when somebody's being evil towards you, you don't repay evil, but as a matter of fact, you overcome that evil by doing good. This is what it means to live as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable to him. So you can't take the first part of chapter 12 and segment it, and then take that part of chapter 12 and segment it. This goes together. It's good interpretation. Okay. Now, what Paul does next, and again, I would encourage you to reread that list all the time until it gets right here. So, so uh, remember when we challenged you for, I don't remember, 21 days to read Sermon on Mount every day for 21 days? Why did I do that? I want to go from here, and hopefully with the Holy Spirit here, to here, to here. Because if it doesn't get here, you always make excuses up here why you don't need to do it. It's got to get here. You read that list until it starts to get here. If you find yourself up here giving all the reasons why you don't have to uh, love your enemy and, and give him something to eat and give him something to drink, it hasn't gotten here yet. You can always excuse yourself out of doing what God says. It's gotta get here. That, that's what it means to allow the scriptures to get within you. If we if we say that the word of God is alive, do you believe that? Then it's gotta get here. This is helping you renew your mind. Because what do I think what my enemies mean to me? Pam back. But my mind is being renewed to say, Whoa, wait a second. There's something about this whole Christian thing. Maybe that's not the way to do it. My mind's being, being renewed. But it gets right here. That's, it's what you become. Now, I want you to hear something I'm going to say. Putting off the old man, right? And this whole not offering yourself to sin any longer. I'm not a slave to sin. It's not just about slavery. Stopping, but it's also about what you become. The void of what was there needs to grow into something. That's why it's called fruit of the spirit. It grows in you. For where, so, so love, joy, peace, patience. Let's say patience. I talk about that one because that's me. I, I'm much impatient. I can't just stop being impatient. I must grow to become patient. And only until I grow to become patient does impatience finally leave. Does that make sense? That's what I'm talking about. It's got to get in here. You've got to grow. Right? That's why you see these things and you've got to eat it up in a way that it's getting from your mind to who you are. All right, chapter 13. We got time. I want to close out with some prayer time again like last week. But let's do chapter 13. I think we can get through it. Chapter 13 starts with a, it can be a well debated passage of Romans because it deals with the governing authorities above us. So let's just read it. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct. In other words, if you do good, you don't have to worry about them, but to bad. If you're gonna be bad, then you need to worry about judgment coming from rulers. For if you have no fear of the one who is in authority, then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he is not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God according to this very thing. So pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owned, revenue to whom... Revenue is owned and respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Whoa. Now, I know that's a pretty heavy passage from Paul right there. So what's Paul getting at? Paul is constantly addressing people, and he addresses them according to the structures that are in place where he's addressing them. You ever see where Paul writes, slaves obey your masters? See that? Is Paul in favor of slavery? No. But why does he say that? He's addressing the structure in which the slaves are living in. Uh, Women be silent in churches. Are women supposed to be silent in churches? No. Paul is addressing a structural issue at the time he was addressing it. All right? It's that way with this. So what Paul is getting at here, now, how many know that Paul spent some time in jail? He was flogged. Why? He's sharing the gospel. Somebody thought that was against some sort of law, so they chucked him in jail. What Was Paul going against his own writing? No. The essence of what Paul is saying is this. As far as it concerns you, remember he said live peaceably? With, okay. As far as it concerns you, live peaceably with the governing authorities, unless they are in a place that are making you do things that are sinful. So remember our Revelation series. We talked about the emperor cult and that the believers were not participating in the emperor cult. Therefore, there were certain things that started to happen, even persecution, some of them even in times of great persecution would be putting to death. Paul is not writing if you're in the emperor cult and that's part of the governmental system that you participate in it. In other words, you don't participate in for sin, right? Or if the government said, you can't share the gospel. Well, we know Paul defied that. What Paul is saying, outside of government forcing you to do sinful things, then it is your job to live peacefully with them for the sake of the spreading of the gospel. In other words... You don't be defiant just for being defiant. That's what Paul's getting at. Do you agree? Maybe not. Do you pay taxes? Yep. Do you like it? Nope. Give you taxes. Pretty much what he's saying. Now, whatever the governmental system is, Paul is actually saying, actually God is putting this stuff in place. Now, now remember that whole business with Pharaoh in chapter 11? That God uses that whole... whole uh, thing Paul was laying out, that God used the nation of Israel eventually to bring in the Gentiles and now that the Gentiles are in he's going to use the Gentiles to bring Israel to jealousy and bring them in remember that, but he used Pharaoh that the hardening of Pharaoh's heart was used to bring glory to God, the whole story of the Exodus, I think God works with this kind of stuff much more than we understand I think he does and I think when, it, when Paul says that God sets this stuff in place, I think that kind of thing is the actuality more than we would like to understand. It's not as that you agree and, 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 and uh, conscribe to everything, not that you don't want change, but the point is that unless government is forcing you to sin, there's a certain honor there because God possibly had placed it there. And there's a plan and a purpose much bigger than our understanding in our specific time, space, uh, day to see the bigger picture of what God has been doing and will be doing, okay? So where the government would force you to sin, no. Where the government would say don't share the gospel, absolutely not. But outside of those things that we give honor and don't be defiant, just simply be defiant. That's what Paul's getting at, okay? Now, Now what happens is There's always a nuance of interpretation in Scripture. But you hear people often say, you just do what the Bible says, right? And then you come across stuff like that, and you go, I don't know about that. I think we like to apply that kind of saying where we want, but where we don't want to do it, then we don't, right? We've got to pay attention to what Paul's saying here and take that to heart, okay? Now, moving on. Oh, no one anything. Except love each other. Again, this is all continuation of what it means to live as a sacrifice to God. For the one who loves another, oh wow, now here we're going to boil something big down. One who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, and there's four of the Ten Commandments right here. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So Paul gets down to brass tacks right here. We can't be made righteous by living the law. That's something Paul has been dealing with in the book of Romans. He writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 4, I think, that Christ fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law in his death for us, right? But yet to live what the law is getting at, we must learn to live in love. Now, let me just say this. I I think we like to say, well, no, 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 we're, we're released from the stipulations of the Mosaic Code, right? I don't have to do that. Well... Are you really loving your neighbor? Because if not, it's just as if you're in the law but breaking it. We must learn to love. The whole thing's bound up with, there, with that. You must learn. What does love look like? Read all the way back up to beginning of chapter 12. Right? And it comes out love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul brings some encouragement here. Besides this, you know the time. The hour has come for you to awake from your sleep. In other words, as he says next, our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Every day we get closer to the finality of our salvation. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let's cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime and watch some specific things he's thrown out to the Roman church here. Not in orgies, sexual sin. Not in drunkenness. Drunkenness has no place in the kingdom. Not in sexual immorality and sensuality. Not in quarreling, fighting, and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Amen. So the Roman church is being encouraged by Paul to live together, your body, learn how to function together, right? We do that because we learn how to live in love. Even when there's tribulation, there's enemies about, what do we do? We learn how to live in love, right? When we're dealing with the government above us, what do we do? We learn how to live in love. That's hard. Because all these things bring us to this place where we are putting on the armor of light, as those who have been called into his family. Amen? Now, chapter 14 and 15, it, it continues to talk about each other, the, the, the faith of the strong and the faith of the weak and how we work together. And, and that's what 14 and 15 gets on to. We'll get into that next week. But let me just encourage you. Get down to rubber meets the road. Are you growing in love? Because if you are not if, not, if that's not the sole purpose of being transformed into Christ-likeness, then you're missing the giant point of what this is all about. Okay, so I may not have known the, the, the four of the Ten Commandments that were listed there. I may not have ever known those commandments. I may have been among those that the law was not given to But if I learn how to love my neighbor, you know I'll never do those things. You see what I'm saying? Learning how to love keeps us out of sin. When I learn to love God with everything I have, and I learn to love my neighbor as myself, it's hard to sin. So I'm married. You know why I don't look at porn? Because I love my wife. That makes sense? You know, I'm not going to speak evil against Judah behind his back because I love Judah. Right? You know, I'm not going to quarrel with Jenny about some ridiculous thing that doesn't need quarrel about because I love Jenny. See, love keeps you from falling into sin. That's why it fulfills the law. All all the things in the law that they couldn't keep up and were falling in and were being condemned for it is summed up that we learn how to love. Right? That's the practice of the Christian faith. Love God, love neighbor. So Paul's saying, here's the gospel. Now, now we understand what this gospel is about. Power of God for salvation of those who believe. Let's learn how to be together. Amen? All right. Let's pray. We'll close up. Here's what I want to do. It's 8 o'clock. I'm going to pray, but I would love for you, if you want to, to stay for about 5, 10 minutes and pray as a church. I wanted about 10 minutes longer than I wanted to. That's why we did a little shorter worship because I wanted to spend time in prayer, but I took up all the time. So um, I just believe, and we started our Monday prayers again. Uh, I encourage you to be there for that if you can, but I, I believe that we should always be a praying church, but I believe that God's impressed upon my heart that we are in this season a praying church. And, and now again, remember what I said, our battle is not against... Quit fighting and praying against people. Pray and fight against what's behind it. I'm not going to demonize somebody because they're not a demon. But I'm going to pray against the powers that work behind it because a demon cannot be redeemed, but that person can. I'm not condemning that person. I'm praying for them because I want to see them saved. Does that make sense? That's why our battle is against flesh and blood. That's why we're not against people. And that runs with what Paul's saying there. Don't we pay evil for evil, right? Your, your enemy, give him something to eat. Why, why? The person needs to come to salvation. So, so our battles are. So, let's contend in the spirit for our church, for our cities. Okay? Let's start there. If you want to go beyond that, rock on. But let's just start there. Okay? And let, let, let's see what God can do among us. Amen? So if you want to, you can can head out when I'm done praying. That's fine. But if you want to stay, pray for five or ten minutes. I encourage you to do so. Lord, we we thank you for coming together tonight. Lord, help us. I pray that we grow in you. We're learning. We're changing. We're becoming what you intend us to be. We're putting off the old person. We're not conforming to the pattern of the world any longer. But learning what it means to live by faith, to live in you, to live in the righteousness that you have afforded us. Thank you for helping us, for saving us, and for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just pray if you would like to.